Hi guys, this is Evan Crozier again with another lesson from the Franklin Church of Christ and our focused look at prayer. I hope you've listened to all of our lessons on prayer. In this lesson, we take a brief look at making sure we apply all of our study to our daily lives. Pull out your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16-18 through 18, as we learn to develop and maintain the habit of prayer. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. That statement is attributed to the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle. And it's very appropriate for what we've been covering for the entire month as we have focused ourselves on prayer and what the Word of God says about prayer. Because we recognize that what we want is to be excellent. We want to excel in this world. We want to stand out head and shoulders above everybody else. In fact, we certainly want to do that on the Day of Judgment, don't we? But what we've learned is that in reality there is nothing in us that can accomplish that. There is certainly nothing in us that would cause us to excel and stand out above the crowd and be anything more than just what everybody else is. However, we recognize that there is one to whom we can connect. And if His power works through us, we can indeed excel. We can stand out. We can be different. We can be excellent. Because His excellence and His power can work through us in our lives. And because of that, the thing that we need to recognize is since we are what we repeatedly do, prayer must not be an act. It must be a habit. This morning's lesson is a very simple lesson. And I know we all breathe a sigh of relief because we've had a lot of hard lessons, haven't we? We just want to take everything that we've learned so far and make sure that it's not something that we do just in the month of October and the first week of November, but that it's something that we carry with us as we develop a habit of praying. Would you bow with me, please? Our God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you. We are so thankful for all that you have done for us. We pray that you would watch over us throughout this service, that everything that we do is pleasing to you, is in accord with your word. We're thankful, Father, that you have blessed us with such a beautiful day. We're thankful that you have given us the opportunity to, to gather here with your children. We're thankful, Father, for each of the brethren who have, who have felt it important enough to worship you. We're thankful for our guests who have come to worship with us. And we pray that we will all be edified by what we're doing here. But most of all, Father, we pray that you will be glorified. Help us to learn today, Father, to take all that we've learned, and carry it with us. 
not only throughout this week, but the coming weeks and months and years throughout the remainder of our lives. Father, may we rejoice always. May we pray without ceasing. And in everything, may we give thanks because we realize this is Your will for us in Christ Jesus. And it's in His name that we offer this prayer to You. Amen. I'd like for us to take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I believe this text provides for us what we need to learn about having a habit of prayer. You'll remember that Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When I first began to study this passage, I thought that the key to understanding this passage was in the progression of rejoice, pray, give thanks. However, the more I studied it, I began to realize that the key that Paul is trying to impress upon us is not so much the action. Rejoice, pray, give thanks were merely three ways of emphasizing essentially the same thing that he expected out of us all of these forms of prayer. The real key to this passage in understanding what Paul is really trying to drive home is not the progression of action, but the progression of how we do that action. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Therefore, I want us to take note of these terms. Rejoice always. The word translated here literally means every when. Rejoice at every when. W-H-E-N. If at any moment it can be described as a when... Paul is telling us we need to rejoice. We need to pray, rejoicing, praising God, being glad in Him at all times. Morning, noon, and evening, as Psalm 55 and verse 17 says. We need to pray when times are good and we have cause to rejoice like the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 after he was brought into Christ through baptism. And he went on his way rejoicing. We need to rejoice when times are bad, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, pointing out that even though he was sorrowful, yet he rejoiced. So rejoice at all times. Pray at all times. This needs to be our consistent habit. It needs to be a part of all of our lives, all the time, every day. Whenever you can say it's a moment in time, Paul says, rejoice. Now, certainly I recognize that this is a figure of speech. It's called hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to drive home a point and to clarify. I recognize, of course, that Paul is not expecting us to be on our knees in prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
If you read, if you read the book that we put out, I, you, you remember the story I might have told there. I remember sometimes somebody telling me, oh, that's not literally prayer. That's talking about having an attitude of prayer, a mindset of prayer at all times. And I looked at him and said, oh, okay, I see. But really, I didn't see. And I just wondered, well, what is that? What is an attitude of prayer? What is a mindset of prayer? Do I have those? How do I get those? But then I realized that's not what he's saying. He's using a figure of speech, an exaggeration, a hyperbole. He's saying that we ought to pray all the time. And it's a figure of speech that we use all the time. In fact, I just used it. Say if you came to me and you said, if you're a very health-conscious person, you might come up to me and say, Edwin, are you getting enough water to drink? And I might respond to you and say, oh, I love water. I drink water all the time. Now, what do you learn from that? Do you learn that, well, I constantly have a water bottle in my hand and I'm chug-a-lugging? That 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, in my sleep, I'm drinking water? Is that what you learn from that? No, of course not. From that, you would probably gather that at most meals, I drink water, that I probably do carry some water with me where I go so that I can drink water and get the proper intake. You say, well, he drinks water all the time. But if you ever saw me at a moment where I was not drinking anything, you wouldn't call me a liar, would you? And if you ever saw me in one of those moments when I'm drinking a cup of coffee, which I really do drink all the time, you wouldn't call me a liar, would you? Because you would understand the figure of speech that was being used. And that's the exact same figure of speech that Paul is using when he says rejoice always. And I, I grasp that. I understand. And in fact, let me show you in the Bible where this very same term is used in another instance of hyperbole. Look in John chapter 18 and verse 20. In John chapter 18 and verse 20, the Scripture there says, in John 18 and verse 20, is that soldiers had come to take Jesus away. He's in the garden. Of course, remember, they're away from the mass crowds because they wanted to do this in secret. And Jesus is wanting to point out to them that He knows they're doing it in secret and how wrong that is. And He says in John 18 and verse 20, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Did Jesus always teach in the synagogues and in the temple? Did He not teach anyplace else? Well, we know that's not the case. We know that at times He taught in folks' house. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? We know He taught while walking on the road. We know He taught on the mountainside. Thus, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, not the Sermon in the Synagogue. His point was, look, here's my general habit, guys. I was always out in public. Why didn't you take me there? Why do you have to come in secret? Why won't you do this in front of people? But do you see the exaggeration? It's the very same thing. I recognize that. And I'm pointing that out to you because I don't want you to believe that if you're not just on your knees 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, rejoicing in prayer that you're sinning. I don't want you to believe that. But I do want you to notice that what Paul demonstrates is this should be a constant, continual, repeated habit. Let's not run wild with the figure of speech. Let's not say to ourselves, oh, that's just a figure of speech. That means I prayed last week. That's okay. Think about it. If, if I said I drink water all the time and what I really mean, meant was I drank water once last week, then you'd accuse me of lying, wouldn't you? Rejoice always. 
while it is a figure of speech, we better be praying consistently, constantly, habitually. We better be able to say, I love to pray. I pray all the time. Otherwise, we are not fulfilling Paul's advice here. Pray always. Rejoice always. Whenever it is a win in time, rejoice. But then he pointed out something else as he took it another step further. He said, pray without ceasing. What this points out to us is it's not good enough to have one really good month in prayer. I don't know about you, but I've, I've probably done the best in prayer this month that I've ever done. I mean, I had to because I knew I had to come see you and ask you if you had been doing But it's not enough for us to be able to rejoice always for a month. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Don't let it stop. It's good that we have focused ourselves on prayer for this month. It's good that we've learned all that we've learned on prayer for this month. It's good that we've devoted ourselves to praying this month. But it won't be good enough if two weeks from now we stop. Pray without ceasing. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart in this world, isn't it? It's easy to become discouraged in this world, isn't it? But Jesus said, don't stop. Don't lose heart. Always pray. But that may not be as easy as it sounds. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. We've got to be completely honest with ourselves about this. When Paul talked about prayer as part of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, he said, praying always, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That word perseverance is a big word in more ways than one. Because when he points out that this is going to take perseverance, what he is demonstrating to us is that it's not going to be easy. Perseverance is the idea of patience, but it's the idea of patience as we go through trial, as we face obstacles. Something is going to try to hinder us and stop us, but we have to persevere. And this is really kind of odd when it comes to prayer, because think about it. I mean, really, how hard is it to pray every day? I mean, that's not that hard. It's not like Jesus said, carry a thousand pound boulder on your shoulders every day without ceasing. I mean, now that would be tough. But praying, taking some time every day to ask God to be with you, to praise Him, to thank Him, to confess your sins to Him, that really, come on guys, that's not, that shouldn't be that hard, is it? 
But I tell you what, you take a look at my prayer life at times and the way that I have procrastinated getting to prayer and you would think that it was just the absolute hardest thing God had ever asked. And here's what I've become convinced. Satan does not want us to pray. He doesn't want us reading our Bibles and he doesn't want us to pray. And so he will put hindrances in the way. He will put obstacles in the way. Think about some of the obstacles that can get in our way. Television. Internet. Telephone. A good book. Hey, I love to read. But we need to pray. You want to look at a good example of persevering in prayer? Take a look at Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. In Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, there were some governors and satraps that didn't like Daniel and they were trying to get him in trouble. So these governors and satraps in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 6 thronged before the king and they said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Of course, they lied because Daniel wasn't involved in that and he was one of the governors and administrators and satraps. But we've consulted together for this decree and we think that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the decree. Now, when Daniel, in verse 10 of Daniel 6, knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. There is persevering in prayer. When it was going to cause him to be cast into the lion's den, he continued to pray without ceasing. He didn't stop. And I look at myself and I feel a little foolish. Because I think about the times when I have ceased to pray and what caused it. Perhaps things in my life just weren't going my way and I was a little upset with the Lord and so I stopped praying. Or maybe I had done something wrong and so I stopped praying. Or perhaps I was just mad at my wife or my kids and so I stopped praying. Or perhaps I was just really, really busy. I mean, I have lots of TV shows to watch and lots of books to read and lots of internet sites to see and Something's got to give. Might as well be prayer. And I take a look at Daniel. And praying was going to cost him his life. But he didn't stop. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Rejoice all the time. And never stop rejoicing all the time. How are we going to accomplish that? The next statement helps us. In everything, give thanks. 
We sit back and we look at these long prayers that we talk about with Jesus, and, and we talk about how we need to learn to be able to apply ourselves to watchful, vigilant prayer. And we wonder, what on earth could He come up to pray with all night long? Well, I'll tell you. Because He would give thanks in everything. Everything was a reason to pray. We need to develop that. Let me just make an aside here. I was talking with someone afterwards last night. Made this point from somebody that they had heard preaching another series on prayer. When we talk about that ability to apply ourselves to extended prayer, it's a lot like exercise. If you run, well, let me just back up. If most of us went out and were asked to run for 30 minutes, how many of us could do it? A few, huh? But, maybe you think we could run for two minutes? Anybody think they could run for two minutes? I think I could run for two minutes. But then I do that a couple days. You think after that I could run for maybe five minutes? You think I could do that? And then I do that for a couple days and after that maybe ten minutes. You think I could do that? And this prayer is just like that. So as we start talking about in everything, give thanks. Perhaps the first day we start trying to do this, we're probably not going to make it to in everything. Because we probably just haven't developed the discipline to be able to apply ourselves to prayer for that long of a time. But maybe for five minutes worth of everything, we can apply ourselves to prayer. And we do that for a couple of days. Maybe we, then we'll get to ten minutes. And then fifteen, and then twenty, and then thirty. And then who knows? You might find one night that you started praying, and four hours later you stopped. I don't know. But in everything, give thanks. Work, finances, family, friends, the church, the neighbors, in everything, give thanks. In good things, in bad things, give thanks. Pray in everything. And when prayer becomes a part of every aspect of our lives, then we will pray without ceasing. And we will rejoice always. But only when prayer is a part of everything. And I'll tell you, when I think about prayer being a part of everything, I think about Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, the disciples had just been beaten. And I don't know about you, but I think that would be about the last time that I could rejoice or give thanks. And yet in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. They were able to look at their situation and find something for which to rejoice. And that's what we need to do. Find the things in every aspect of our life, good or bad, in between, work, family, school. Find where prayer is needed. Find the things for which you can give thanks. Find the areas where you need God's help and pray in everything.
Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will for us. We need to pray. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act. It is a habit. Prayer must not be an act. It must be a habit. Do whatever it takes to develop that habit. Do whatever it takes to continue that habit. Do you need some help? Then get somebody to help you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says two are better than one. Get somebody to call you and pray with you. Get somebody to meet with you and pray with you. But whatever it takes, develop this habit. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And I have to make just one comment. Because as I said at the beginning, for those of you who this is your first lesson in this series, you probably think, well, that was simple. That's because we couldn't handle any more tough lessons. It's been tough. And perhaps for some of us, even a little overwhelming at times. I want to remind you of what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, there's a lot of hard things about prayer, and if there's anything we've learned, we've got to grow. And some of us might just feel so overwhelmed after all that we've studied for this month, that we might just say, you know, there's no way I can do it. Why bother? Remember this passage. We are growing. But the Spirit is helping us in our weaknesses. And so let's keep growing. Develop this habit. If you've started it, keep it up. If you've been doing it for a long time, that is so awesome. Keep doing it and help others do it. If you haven't started it, get started now. And if you ever stop, don't say, well, I've blown it, that's it, it's over. Just start again. But rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Prayer will do us no good if it's only an every once in a while event. We have to make it a habit. I hope this lesson has helped build up your resolve to develop or maintain your prayer habit. Remember what Paul said. We must rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. This is God's will in Christ Jesus for us. Again, I want to thank you for joining us at the Franklin Church of Christ in this study. I invite you to study with us on any number of subjects. If you've been given this lesson on CD by a friend, feel free to get on our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com and download any of the lessons we have available in audio format or download the outlines to print out and study on your own. If you have any questions about prayer, about spiritual discipline, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website. 
Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you, and may you richly bless God.